Hello, folks. Welcome to Culture Dumps. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> I knew it. It's me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yes. What's up? Yeah. Um. We didn't really like do a send off per se. No. Um, I don't think. I don't think I mentioned it, but I. I was just in Madrid for five weeks. Yeah. So, did you even miss us? Because we planned it out. Yeah. We only had like a couple weeks of a gap. Uh. Well, I mean, you know, I I filled that there was with a small uh, gap. I, I filled that with some trusty uh, trusty sidekicks that, you know, I appreciate their help, Kaylin and, of course, Adam Papagan. Um, but now we're back to uh, to the traditional dumps, dump world. The, yes, du- the duo is in, very... is in full effect here. And uh, it's kind of a perfect episode for Parks' return because we're talking about a famous duo, uh, soulmates, hey. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a very name ma- a more iconic duo. Yeah, you can't. You literally can't. There's <laughs> there's Parks and I, and then there's these guys. Those are that's like it's yeah. like Batman and Robin. Um, so also this is our first magic dump. If I if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's a lot of um magical dumps for sure. But this is yes. the first one that that we're doing. I went down like a weird magic rabbit hole. Obviously, like, you know, mm-hmm. we get suggested Chris Angel a lot. That's going to happen sometime. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But there's plenty of other magic dumps. And this is probably yeah. the biggest um, magic, magic, magic. Yeah, definitely feels like it falls into it. Um you know, it's a stretch, but a later Smash Mouth album, I think, is called Magic. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Just Magic. And it's like, no, it's a, it's like a stock photo, like 3D generated image of like a top hat and a wand. Amazing. Like it's one of the funny. It's such a goofy cover. Uh, also, I want to say that I, the movie Now You See Me is I feel like maybe I somehow talked about it in the pickup artist thing. We're getting a little off t- tangent because there's, but there's a weird, uncomfortable, slight rubbing up against of like where pickup artists and magicians, where it's sort of like using deception. Right. <laughs> uh, one one is magicians trying to just entertain you, and uh, pickup artists use these same psychological tactics to try to uh, trick women into sleeping with them. Yeah, well, that's why magicians, you know, they get so laid. Same with, like, psychics. Like, I'm sure psychics fucking clean up. Uh, but it's all deception. But um, there, while there is going to be some of that later in this episode, we haven't even told you what it is, even though I'm sure you know because the title's on your screen. But we're talking about Siegfried and Roy, uh, the most iconic magician duo of all time, probably the most successful magicians uh, financially ever. Um, There's a lot of stuff here about them, and I'm very excited. So why are they a dump? Well, Siegfried and Roy are a dump because Siegfried and Roy were the most mesmerizing performers the world has ever known. Bringing magic to new heights, they pushed boundaries that other magicians did not even know existed, and they created a lengthy list of cliches that would come to personify Las Vegas entertainment. The buzz around their live shows and their collection of animals was only matched by the buzz around their rumored private life. On top of that, as with most dumps, tragedy eventually struck the two magicians and changed their lives and the legends surrounding them forever. There's a lot of shit here because this is like, 
it's one of those dumps where they're so they were so successful it's it doesn't fall into like the forgotten era but this is more of like the shit you didn't know um there's also themes mm-hmm. of like hidden romance the evolution of show business animal cruelty rags to riches yeah. and most importantly magic so <laughs> magic yeah i mean this like maybe is like a little bit of the river dance in terms of the night the aesthetic like when i was w- sure. watching some of the videos there was a little but but really that's not even i mean river river dance doesn't have shit on siegfried and roy no one I mean, does. like yeah like they really were huge players well siegfried the, and roy i mean changing vegas entertainment absolutely i mean there wouldn't be like cirque de soleil the same way that there is there wouldn't be like a chris angel uh it, it's it's just a huge Huge thing, but we're going to get into it starting right off the top with some pretty gnarly shit. So let's get to the men behind the tigers. The tale of Siegfried and Roy begins in Germany. Siegfried Fischbacher was born June 13th, 1939, and Roy Horn was born October 3rd, 1944. October 3rd will come back to haunt us later. The two would eventually bond over their similar upbringings. Both were children of German soldiers who served in World War II, a.k.a. Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and once the war was over, the deeply psychologically damaged men found solace at the bottom of a bottle. So, okay, like PTSD, very not funny thing, very, very serious. But in World War II, like it wasn't up until maybe after the Vietnam War, where at least in America, when people were taking PTSD very seriously, and mm-hmm. like you know, before they called it combat shock or shell shock, it didn't or even shell have, shock. It yeah. was like slang. It wasn't even like an officially registered thing. And so people were just like, "Well, like that's what you do. You come home from the war and you drink and you ignore your family and you just sit there with your demons. And if you're a fucking Nazi and the entire mm-hmm. world fucking hates you, I can only imagine like how much worse those demons are." Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Imagine coming home after seeing seeing combat, which also sounds kind of that even has like a fluff, (laughs) a fluff to it. Yeah. Like seeing combat is still doesn't quite describe, I think, some of the actually horrific things that you could witness or partake in. Right. You know, being a soldier, especially in the Second World War. Right. Exactly. When it's like, you know, because nowadays, I mean, granted, yes, like we still have ground troops and stuff, but it was only that there was no drones. There was no like middle of the night, like, you know, bombings like that. And that just took care of everything. Then you'd send in a cleanup crew back then. It's like, no, it's like they're like slitting each other's throats in the middle of the night and like crazy fucking shit like that it's it's really 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 brutal and i can only imagine but i just like i love that that's where they came from like they both had this mm-hmm. upbringing but uh one of their one of their dads yeah siegfried's father he was actually a war prisoner uh he was taken prisoner by the soviet union like so that's like really fucking brutal um and yeah. I've seen differing reports of Roy's father. Some say that he died in the war, and then he had a stepfather who was also an ex-Nazi. Um, but some mm. say that, no, it, it was his real dad. But that, that that's where they both came from. So both of the future Tiger Kings described their childhood as lonely and lined with neglect. In order to cope with their empty home life, both Siegfried and Roy discovered their life's passions. Siegfried began practicing magic tricks, and in an interview with 2020, he explained that when he made a coin disappear in front of his father, it was the first time that his dad showed any interest in him. 
Roy, on the other hand, became obsessed with animals, and he had a dog, which he spent almost all of his time with, training, just, like, befriending, and then he soon branched out to different animals, and allegedly, there was a time when Roy got stuck. This is some fucking real-life Lassie shit. Roy got stuck in quicksand, yeah. and the dog ran and alerted a nearby farmer, like, what mm. is it, girl? Roy Horn stuck in the quicksand? Yeah. And, like, they went and pulled right. him out. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it could just be something yeah. that he kind of, like, crafted to cement his his legacy yeah with with all these people you always have to remember that you know because roy is like associated with animals like a story like that i mean maybe it did happen but it also conveniently is an incredible story that is in it, and it shows this formation of like and that's how i became this like animal lover and part yeah. of his legacy is his ability to have this like connection with animals where people you know that that people right. just say that he he could really communicate with them so did it happen or not you know it's just that's showbiz yeah that's, that's showbiz, showbiz baby yeah your nazi dad so and your fucking I, also dog. i want to say i've never seen quicksand before i mean there's like swamps <laughs> yeah i thought but, it only existed in like looney tunes yeah i mean i was very afraid of it as a child <laughs> Like it's something you're going like, to run into. <laughs> like I heard about it and I was like, this is something you got to worry about when you get older. Right. <laughs> One day, son, you're going to come across quicksand and you need to know what to do. I exactly. Yeah. So the two maintained their respective hobbies throughout adolescence, but never really pursued them professionally. That was until a chance meeting on a cruise ship in 1959 would bring the duo together. The boys worked on the same Bremen cruise ship, Roy as a waiter and Siegfried as a steward. One night, Roy witnessed Siegfried performing some magic tricks for staff members, and he approached him. This is when he asked what is now considered to be one of the most legendary questions in the history of magic, and it was something to the tune of, uh, and I, I'm not going to do German accents, but, uh, you know, if you could make a rabbit disappear, could you do the same with a cheetah? Which is also, like, a great pickup line, like, <laughs> like you know, I mean, that's going to be the whole thing. There's uh, definitely... Or there's shit going on between them okay we'll just get or, that uh, out the front here can you make the sausage disappear yeah <laughs> oh my god dude yeah exactly <laughs> yes so yeah it's like wait what do you mean by cheetah and like where am i making it disappear so confused by the question siegfried asked roy what he meant by that and roy invited siegfried into his cabin where lo and behold he had a fucking pet cheetah named chico okay roy literally smuggled a cheetah in a laundry bag mm -hmm. onto a cruise yeah. ship. And that's like a horror movie. Like, you've heard of Snakes on a Plane? This is Cheetah on a Cruise. Yeah. Like, if that Cheetah got <laughs> out, there's now a large predator <laughs> roaming around this German cruise ship. It's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm sick of this motherfucking Cheetah on this motherfucking cruise. So they presented the idea to do a magic show that would involve the use of the cheetah, which for some reason Roy was not kicked off the ship for sneaking on. And uh, the entertainment coordinator granted them permission to perform. And the show was a hit. Soon the team was touring Europe and they landed a gig in Monte Carlo, which at that time was like the rich person's hub of the world. It still kind of is. Uh, and they performed for a star-studded audience. A world-renowned booker was in the audience and suggested they come to the States to do their show at the Tropicana in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, 
you know, they, they these guys performed like almost over 30,000 shows in their lifetime. And this show, I mean, like Frank Sinatra was there. It was huge, you know, huge, huge celebrities. Mm-hmm. It was a charity thing. Um, but the cheetah jumped off the stage during the show and ran to the back and like got into the kitchen. And like Roy had to like go get Chico, the cheetah. And like, but everyone thought that this is just part of the show. But like everyone was in like severe danger because <laughs> like, there's a cheetah <laughs> right, roaming right. around. Can you imagine? Yeah. So this was in the 1960s when magic was not like a popular form of entertainment uh, in in Las Vegas. Vegas entertainment at the time was like the Rat Pack, Burlesque, Liberace, uh, another huge dump, and comedians like, you know, your Rickles, your Jerry Lewis's. But when word got out that Siegfried and Roy used live animals in their act, the you know, the word spread, their popularity grew. Throughout the 70s and 80s, Siegfried and Roy did an average of three shows a night. The stress of the rigorous schedule, as well as the hefty workload, took its toll on Siegfried, who began taking Valium to sleep. He became dependent on the drug for a number of years until, through the power of Roy and his tigers, got clean. Um, I feel like yeah. like it's one thing for, say, a singer or an entertainer to be hooked on pills, but when you're dealing with like tigers, you should probably be like on your A-game. Well, sure, but also, I mean, you know, a lot of performers, like, you know, it's the because I want to I want to back up briefly that I mean, for instance, I actually didn't even know that they were magicians. I mean, I really <laughs> kind of came think in. They did? I just like tiger stuff. <laughs> I mean, like because like that's circus. You know what I mean? Like sure. that's a circus. I I really I you have to. That's what they're so famous for is the lions. Yeah. And tigers, so yeah. like, yeah, tigers. Sorry. Um, but it's like, they're so famous for that, that it wasn't until actually just re- researching it that I realized that it was like a magic act. I mean, because I never really, again, this is kind of the dumpiness of it all is that they're so, they're so ubiquitous and you know, the name and you associate it with tigers and then you don't necessarily have to know what else it is. I mean, it's not like my fan. We went and saw the show, right? And so I yeah. just assumed that they were doing like a very Vegasy, flashy, like circus type of thing. But I yeah. guess that's that's kind of where it was. Was it was merging like a circus animal act with the magic. But it, I think, in part, the drugs is because they were doing all these like physically demanding things. Yeah, like, totally. You know, they're doing like a whole like they're not just they're running around. They're like three times. A I night. don't know. Yeah. Like they're really putting in the work. And, three, you know, yeah. that happens a lot with these performers is like eventually their bodies are just like it takes a toll. Yeah. And so can't make a new back high grade pharmaceutical connections right exactly. And, you know, no one really like especially like at that time, like pills, if a doctor gave it to you you didn't even consider that you might have a problem because a doctor was giving mm-hmm. it to you. Yeah, the so, doctor gave it to you. So there's that whole thing. But also the way that like other magicians describe them, because, you know, Vegas is now, you know, you have Chris Angel, Penn and Teller, like a billion other, David Copperfield, like the biggest magicians in the world all perform there regularly. And they're all in this 2020 about, about them talking about like, dude, they took like, say, sawing a woman in half, but it would be like, okay, we're going to saw a woman in half, replace her bottom half with a tiger, uh, make the tiger disappear. Then the woman appears in the crowd. Like they just like combined so many things on top of each other in such a huge way. And then Mm -hmm. there'd be pyro and all the stuff that it's like, no one could compete with them because they would like take your headlining trick 
or illusion, so to speak, and add not only a tiger to it, but a bunch of stage effects, like making it way bigger than it ever was. So it was making uh, it very, making it very grandiose. Yeah. You know, because I think before magic was sort of seen because a lot of it is like sleight of hand. And there was something about it that almost you needed like an intimate environment to do it. Yeah. Because you're, if you're doing like a sleight of hand trick, then you kind of have to see what's happening to be able to understand what's going on. And they kind of made the tricks like bigger and bigger. Yeah. You could see so it from it the could, back. It could actually yeah. like, an, yeah, exactly. So you could accommodate this like arena audience. And that's kind of like their vision and sort of how they changed the game exactly and they bounced around from like tropicana to like different different places you know as their residencies would expire but their their professional relationship siegfried was the practical one he's he was the magician so he like developed how roy's like crazy ideas would actually go down and roy was in charge of the animals so like that's mm -hmm. that's their working relationship and uh, siegfried you know he cleaned up his act just in time for what would be the biggest moment in their careers up to that point now well, we, and and you yeah. say clean up the act, and uh, that was interesting because. Well, I mean, I meant was, like he stopped doing Valium. Oh, oh, yeah. well, but also they they cleaned up their act in terms of Vegas. Yeah, you know, like in terms of wanting to like make it more bring the kids. Like, yeah, exactly. Less of like the like the Vegas, like the Sin City and make it more of like a family friendly affair. Exactly. And that was all changing at this time. Um, you know, v Vegas was was kind of morphing into like the entertainment capital of the world rather than Sin City. So in 1989, hotel and resort mogul Steve Wynn, which is a callback to the Girls Gone Wild episode. Yeah, I yeah. thought I recognized that guy. <laughs> Bad, yeah, but not, not a great guy. Uh, he unleashed his latest venture, the Mirage. The Mirage was hailed as the crown jewel of Las Vegas, providing a modern experience for guests and a revamped vision of what Las Vegas could be. In order to boost the appeal of the Mirage, Wynn needed an amazing act. And who better to fill that slot than Vegas veteran tiger-wielding magician duo Siegfried and Roy? So they get this job at the newest place. The Mirage had a fucking volcano outside. It was considered to be the biggest and best. And to make the show the biggest and best in Vegas, or the world for that matter, a budget of $39 million was given to the team, not only for their own state-of-the-art theater, but also for outlandish stage effects. It was the biggest budget ever given to a live show, and the salary given to the boys was $57 million to be paid out to them over the course of five years, which at that point was the biggest salary salary paid to a Vegas performer. Crazy yeah. shit. Lots and lots of money. So they they were kind of the first to have a theater built that was them, like for them. You know, that, that was mm -hmm. specifically tailored to all of the things they're going to have. Because if you're going to have like 20 tigers in a show, you need to have a place for 20 tigers. You know, you can't just like keep you, them backstage. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into that. Yeah, despite what uh, what you might think you know about keeping tigers from watching Tiger King, it's actually, uh, when it's done right, it takes a lot more. Mm -hmm. So Siegfried yes. and Roy did not waste a penny of their budget. The show they created was the stuff of legends, huge sets, huge effects, massively difficult illusions, and of course, more animals than they ever had access to before. Imagine if Barnum and Bailey's and Cirque du Soleil gave birth to Chris Angel. That's what Siegfried and Roy is. It's like a circus fucking mm -hmm. like a really cool circus and then they give birth to like this like larger than life 
fucking like flame yeah. pyro robotics on stage magician what and actually watching um some of that early 90s footage uh, there was like sort of a callback to another dump like the pure moods like i feel like they introduced oh, totally. this this like pure moods style of music which again like i feel like if you kind of go back to thinking about magic in the 60s it's a little more like maybe like jazz or orchestra sure like centered um or maybe like some poorly chosen like sort of arabic music um <laughs> but you know because it's like ooh, magic this trick but comes like they, from the east yeah right but they like i feel like they were kind of adding this pure moods like this kind of new age style music and that I think is just also part of this modernization that we've had. And their show also included a sexy Vegas staple, scantily clad showgirls, which is just funny because it's like, like that's the thing about Siegfried and Roy. They packed as much shit as possible, like as if making fucking like a tiger turn into a lion and, uh, you know, sawing like a billion people in half and having like a huge mechanical like what looks like robot lion on stage breathing fire as if that wasn't enough then you get naked chicks too like they just threw it all together but that's kind of well and, and it's not like naked per se right no. I mean, it's like you have the it's tassels. it's that showgirl the, the the tassels the pasties i mean i feel like and that's and that's kind of from the the 60s vegas where it's like it was very much geared towards men who wanted to do bad men things you know yeah. you go to vegas men you like heavy glasses you in your a, office yeah you go see the showgirls you get a little drunk and then you go to the casinos and you gamble your family's light your <laughs> your family's life savings <laughs> away Junior's college fund yeah because also that and also because i mean that was more of like a mafia related thing that totally. kind of was like funding the whole thing so also i'll just say like it also just feels so ba vegas to be like, we already have a million things going on. Let's add one more, like, extremely gaudy, glitzy place element to it. Place that last bet. One more exactly. bet. Yeah, let's place another hundred on the table. Showgirls. So the show was an instant success, but Siegfried and Roy knew it could be bigger. They had to find a way to bring in a bigger audience to the show, which was already one of the most popular in the city. And the way that they achieved this was by toning down the sexual themes of the show and making it more family-friendly. Traditionally, Las Vegas is a very unfamily-friendly place. I mean, it was called Sin City. But in the 1990s, that began to change, more accessible entertainment was being booked, and there was an untapped market waiting to be bust wide open. Um, also, like, what if they were just kind of grossed out by having, like, the naked chicks around? Like, they're just like, ugh! <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's really smart, because, I mean, basically what they did is in instead of... They were like, you should have... Let's have... The showgirls have more clothes on. Less showgirls, it, more but, tigers. And it, but like having, but by also having more clothes on, I think that that also kind of contributes to sort of the iconography of showgirls because then they still have like the huge, like the very ornate, glittery, like sure. the wings and all that stuff. But then if you're not actually naked, then it suddenly just becomes this thing that well, you magicians can have always had sell like to families. You know what I mean? Yeah. So right. like it's kind of like that that whole thing. Now we got to describe. I mean, we, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but we got to describe what like a typical Siegfried and Roy show is. Literally, once they made an elephant disappear on stage, a fucking elephant. First of all, bringing an elephant onto a stage is crazy enough, but then they made it mm -hmm. disappear. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, at one point, they had this big dome erected where they could have like 
12 tigers sitting on it at once. And you're just yeah. like, and there was no barrier between the stage and the audience. So they could walk tigers through the crowd. I mean, it's really right. crazy. Like you, you and, are kind of in the shit. And that's kind of a big difference between the circus is that the circus, it's always like that cage. And so the, the performers are in danger of, you know, an attack from a lion or a tiger, but there is a very distinct cage barrier that is protecting the audience. And this was yeah. a big difference is that they were bringing these predator predatory <laughs> animals, you know, but it was on a stage show and there was no barrier. Yeah. I mean, and it's because Roy had, I mean, was so convinced and with, I mean, with a lot of experience behind it, but he was able to convince everyone else, like, no, like I can control these beasts. I'm like the, I'm like right. fucking beast man. I can talk to animals, dude. Roy and is that, like a really cool, like futuristic gay Doctor Doolittle, like that. That's Roy. exactly that. Yes, he's like a mystic. Yeah, exactly. No, and but that's but that's also very much a huge part of the appeal because what you're doing is you have this sense of danger. You know, everyone. Like, just like the way I was, you know, the quicksand, it's like when you're like a kid, you just like learn very early on, like bears, lions, tigers, sharks, snakes, <laughs> like these Stay animals, like they can kill you. They, they are, they are designed to attack and, you know, <laughs> yeah. ti they have, you know, the cat like reflex. There's all these things you, you, from such an early age, 90% of society like kind of develop understands how dangerous these animals are. So it's so ingrained. So then to take that and take that fear and that's kind of adding this huge level of excitement Yeah. because you're like, these are these crazy animals and then mix that with his confidence, like just supreme confidence. Like, no, yeah. I have this special sacred bond connection with these tigers to, to them. You yeah. know, well, so they will I mean never, they will never attack me. If they did get out of hand, Siegfried could just like make them disappear. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the deal. But also, it's interesting to note that Michael Jackson did their music for the first initial run of shows. Mm -hmm. So, like, what, what you would hear, they also would do cub petting. So, Roy would be like, This is the newest member of the family and bring out like a cub, and people in the audience could pet it. Um, like, so that's all yeah. fucking crazy. But yeah, and, and their wardrobe was like kind of like if they're like, very flashy villains from like David Lynch's Dune. Yeah. Like it's like there's futuristic. That, there's even that one. What is the Michael Jackson album from 95? Is it Invincible? But oh, like you can, yeah. almost, you can, the album cover, I haven't really listened to that album, but the album cover, I mean, even has sort of this like, va like super flashy Vegas, you know. Yeah. Well, lots of buckles and straps. To it. Yeah. And glitter and rhinestones and, just maximal everything everything's maximal right exactly well also you know they wore like high-heeled boots when they performed because they were short guys and like they needed to like be seen more they're also dealing with these giant animals so the boots they would also put risers in them so they're essentially wearing like two pairs of high heels doing these shows and like them running around and stuff that made them so much more exhausted as well but they would do this multiple times right. a night um and you it's know like these the, are the prince thing oh it was sorry it the michael jackson album was dangerous oh dangerous 91. yeah yeah and that album cover it almost it seems like there was something it's just like this circus -y. it, it kind of looks it looks like a circusy siegfried and roy kind of thing and it makes sense that michael jackson was really into them
Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, the whole freak show kind of thing. Uh, anyways, so th these guys are uh, these guys are real tiger kings. Whereas like Joe Exotic is like a tiger pimp. Like yeah. these guys are. Uh, these dude, guys that might have to be like the episode. Yeah, it's like the real tiger kings. Exactly. Is, is like the, yes. these guys are Robert De Niro in Casino. Uh, Joe Exotic is like James Woods in Casino. Like the Lester Joe, Diamond. Joe Exotic is uh, Harvey Keitel in Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly you want to see a tiger real young yeah, yeah but it, i like your i like the casino casino reference it, yeah, yeah it's it's right yeah. there and these are baby. the real tiger kings yes they uh, undoubtedly so throughout the 1990s siegfried and roy put millions upon millions of dollars into a piece of property that they dubbed little bavaria and little bavaria was a 100 acre property that resembled a jungle palace more than a home animals ran free on the property often swimming in the pools roaming the halls of the house and the majority of the animals that they used in the shows lived with them so when you see footage mm -hmm. like when they'd be on like lifestyles of the rich and famous or like there'd be any documentary about them or like the like vhs tapes they'd sell at their gift shop after the shows they'd just be walking around the house and like you just see like tigers walking around like roommates like like, yeah. mm -hmm. literally like fucking roommates and Roy's just like oh hello and like starts petting one and then like it goes about its thing like I would when I had a cat I would get like scared if I like opened up the bathroom door and it was in the bathroom but that's a fucking yeah. tabby like what about a fucking I mean, tiger my, I mean my friend had a cat that would always scratch me if I got too close to it you know yeah. so <laughs> I mean cats can <laughs> I know no they're scared cats okay cats are unpredictable alright it's a big it's a big cat. This is a big... No, it's the biggest cat. There's no cats that are bigger. Uh, this might be a good time, though, to address their sexuality. Yes, they were a couple for many, many, many years, uh, but they split up romantically in the 90s. They remained best friends. They described each other as brothers, which is kind of weird. Like, you know, like if you were with like a girl, like a gal forever, and then um, you break up and you're like, yeah, we're like brother and sister. It's like, yeah, but you banged like a lot. Like, so That's were not you... not that weird. Like, were you like... White stripes. Were they... <laughs> that was literally. I still don't know what's going on with the white stripes. That's literally the white stripes like PR line. They were they were <laughs> banging they, and then they? they and then they said they were. But no, I mean, but in a deeper sense, I think what it means is that I they. Get it. I know what they meant. I know what they meant. I'm just being fucking facetious over here, all right? But, uh, yeah, no, so so they were together. And it's funny because, like, their relationship was, was dubbed, like, one of the most known secrets in show business. Like, everyone mm -hmm. knew... It, it, like the only thing that they kept it secret from was from like the Midwest families that would like come out to see them perform. But like right. anyone that had any exposure to modern culture knew, you know what I mean? I mean, that that actually draws a good point because, yeah, eventually we're going to do uh, Ryan's Pride and Joy Liberace. Right. And, Another um, great example you know, that was of a this. That, that was a huge and I, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it was like a very big showbiz thing. Um, and and. Uh, it just relates to just kind of what was like accepted socially. And so there is actually like a huge history of, yeah, very closeted uh, entertainers that just it, it right. couldn't fit in their image. But they would when you look at it, you're like, I mean, it seems so obvious now. But at the time, it really was like, I mean, it, it seemed was pretty so obvious back then, too. <laughs> I think it seemed obvious, sure, but it's again one of those things where just being able to have the conversation of saying, "Yeah, right, we are gay, we are lovers, or not." And if you don't, it's almost like maybe those Midwestern families, like, 
you know, the dad's like, man, I love that show. And like, you know, so I'm like, well, they're Something gay. About those but, guys, well, though. <laughs> they didn't say they were gay. They didn't say they were gay. So I can go watch. Yeah. Or, or, or like the show. classic, like they're watching. They're like, God, I bet Siegfried and Roy get so much pussy. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, God yes, yes, we do, we do. They banged yeah. every single one of them showgirls twice. Yeah, but uh, the, like, yeah. but again, that's the thing. Yeah. And also, you know, with, same with Liberace, like Siegfried and Roy, like they were basically told by the higher ups, like, do whatever you want, just don't say it. Like, you can live this way, you can be as flamboyant yeah. as you want, just don't say it. That way, there's still deniability. So many, little little Richard, you know. Right. It, it, so, yes. so many examples. Yeah, but they did come out in uh, 2007 uh, via a, 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 I think it was an authorized biography. But, again, the relationship was described as what's known as an open secret, where it's, you, you mm -hmm. just don't say it, but it's there. So as the 90s drew to a close, Siegfried and Roy were riding high. They were a household name, not just in America, but around the world. They were considered to be the American dream personified, which is hilarious because who else comes to America to be tiger handling magic men? Like, like is that I guess the dream? Yeah, but I guess, the, I guess what it is is it's like you come to America and then you create your you find a way and if even yeah. if that way is becoming like tiger kings right it's kind of like that's that that's an how and if you guys at home are, are singing the where, opportunities where, of yeah. america are like you can do literally anything you can start a huge company or you can be like top vegas performers but that's what america has to offer yeah exactly exactly and for those of you out there that are thinking why aren't they saying tiger queens because uh, we're better than that uh the they oh, wait <laughs> well i just hadn't thought of that Man, actually, oh, you want to drop that? That's really good, too. <laughs> so that's they, really good. <laughs> they entered the new millennium full of piss and vinegar, ready for a new era. But just a couple years after the dawn of the 2000s, a not-so-unimaginable tragedy struck. Now we're at the section I dubbed Tigers, Tigers, and Tigers. Oh, my. Obviously, the story of Siegfried and Roy cannot be told without discussing white tigers. Now, there are all sorts of questions of ethics that come up when talking about using animals as performers, but those questions and concerns played second fiddle to a bigger problem with the Siegfried and Roy tiger stable, and that is the breeding of white tigers. White tigers are not a species of tiger. A tiger that is born with white fur was born with a mutation seen in less than 1% of tigers. The problem with breeding white tigers is that due to the severe inbreeding that must happen to produce them, they're subject to a whole slew of birth defects including crossed eyes, cleft palates, and club feet. And the more you breed them, the more unhealthy they are. And in fact, all white tigers in North America share one common ancestor, a white tiger that made its way to North American zoos from India named Mohini. Now, Mohini ended, ended up at the Cincinnati Zoo, where the former director of that zoo, Edward Maruska, bred the first white tiger cubs in the country. He sold a white tiger litter to like a, you know, a couple of the cubs to Siegfried and Roy in 1983. They began breeding them. Roy is much better with animals than your average zoo handler. And they had so much more money. So they began, mm -hmm. you and know, resources. Yeah. 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 Resources. To have a full team of animal 
you know, specialist. Everything. Yeah. And plus you have the beast. You have, uh, you know, Dr. Doolittle himself, Roy Horton. So white tigers became a staple of the Siegfried and Roy experience. And on top of the many white tigers they lived with in little Bavaria, they also opened the secret garden and dolphin habitat at the Mirage, which was kind of like a glorified zoo, but rather than being labeled as a zoo, it was considered a habitat or a sanctuary, which exempted them from breeding regulations that zoos have to follow. Because rather mm. than this being for entertainment, even though it fucking was, because you'd buy a ticket, go in, see these tigers, but the, like they had, you know, the money to get the licensing the, the proper way, so they could breed them for you know preservation sake, mm -hmm. and that was the thing. But then they just go ahead and use them in their shows. Uh, they also sold cubs. Uh, they're kind of responsible for setting the price scale for tiger cubs. Now, in 2011, the breeding of white tigers was banned in zoos, but again, not the secret garden because technically on paper, it was not a zoo. And their dolphin habitat was not so great also. Uh, after a 20-year span, 15 other dolphins died, two dying in 2009. Despite the complaints of animal rights activists, the secret garden was certified by the American Humane Conservation Program for animal welfare because money talks that's it yeah i mean all, always dealing with you know these animals that are truly meant to be in the wild and need huge amounts of land or sea to actually live their lives there's yeah. always this controversy that follows the zoo sea world all those things there's always this controversy because yeah stuff like this tends to happen <laughs> zoos should have like like i feel like zoos and sanctuaries like if an animal dies like they should have like a cafe where you get to try like whatever weird exotic meat just like <laughs> like it's like dude we had 15 dolphins die it's like great that gives us like how many hundreds of pounds of dolphin meat we can now like serve you know or like 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 a oh tiger steak like fuck it if they die of natural <laughs> causes you know like hey fuck it uh but now for what you've all been waiting for Siegfried and Roy and the tiger attack. So mm -hmm. you knew it was coming, folks. By 2003, Siegfried and Roy were growing exhausted physically and mentally. That's the that's the whole thing. You got to keep in mind how like much 50s, goes into 60s. this. They're getting older. Yeah. yeah. The strain they put on their bodies night after night, along with the stress of being in charge of the biggest show in Las Vegas, was mounting. And again, it's estimated that in their lifetime, they performed over 30,000 shows for around 50 million people. That's in person. Yeah. That's numbers, baby. Uh, yeah, seriously. I mean, more than anyone else. The boys were tired. And when you are tired in a profession where you can't afford to make even one mistake, you are treading dangerous ground. And on October 3rd, Roy's 59th birthday in 2003, a mistake was made. It gets a little complicated here because of the um, differing reports from A, Siegfried and Roy's camp and also the witnesses, but we're going to go on the witnesses side because there's no fucking way Siegfried and Roy would ever admit to making a mistake with, with their mm -hmm. animals. So, in, a, in front of an audience of 1,500 people, Roy brings out Manticore. Why doesn't anyone name a fucking... Okay, this is a side, but why are all tigers named like Fucking these things like Manticore, Mahini. Like, why can't you just name a tiger like Greg? You can't. Why? Why would you do that? How, how could you do that? I, it's I, a dude, fucking Tony, tiger. Tony is a tiger's name. Tony the tiger. It deserves respect. I know, but like, it also makes it sound like a like a exotic masseuse. Like, these are all names that like it's the a buff white guy. fucking tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. A white tiger can't be named like Matthew. It just doesn't work. Look, Tony. Tony is the exception. 
Well, he's not a white tiger either. And he's because he's a cartoon. And then now, because of that, you could maybe name a tiger Tony. Yeah. But and I'm sure a lot of people fucking do. But anyway. And it's short for Antonio Tigerini. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's Italian. Uh, so <laughs> a white tiger that that you know manticore roy brings him out and he told the audience that this is the tiger's first time on stage but that was not the case manticore had been in several shows but as a showbiz bit they would parade a tiger out every show claiming it was the tiger's first time and have the audience welcome them to to the stage and as roy walked the tiger across the stage the tiger missed its mark and rather than circling the tiger back around to have him try again which is standard practice with animal performers roy continued now i learned a little bit about animal training because uh, i thought hey if these guys can do it maybe i could have a multi-tiger show <laughs> so maybe i'll get like uh, tiger training for dummies and what i found was like everything that you train an animal to do in a show is a sequence it's all step by step and they're awarded mm -hmm. for each step that's why they they do all these things like you walk them out they hit the first mark then they get on top of like a riser then maybe they get into a cage they boom disappear backstage they're getting the mm -hmm. tree it's a sequence and if you skip a step in the sequence you might as well not be doing it at all in the you're animal's confusing. head yeah you're right. yeah they run the sequence like you know so many times and it's it's basically conditioning the animals to know that if they do this yeah then but they one get has to come before the other so yeah. the way mm -hmm. you correct that if you if you miss a step is you circle them back around and start from the start point and do it again if you don't do that mm -hmm. again you might as well not be doing the act at all because in the tiger's head now they're not even in the sequence so Roy moved on to the next motion in the act, which confused the tiger, who then grabbed onto Roy's hand with its mouth. Roy lightly batted the tiger away, and when the tiger bit at him again, it was clear to the show's producers that something was wrong. They cut the music, but not Roy's microphone, which echoed the sound of Roy bopping Manticore on his head. Uh, this upset the tiger, you know, and then uh, in a Just quick, like loud sounds, yeah. Yeah, doomp. Uh, but also just being bopped in the head, you know, uh, for mm -hmm. real. Not, not like playfully like, oh, Manticore, you're biting my hand. This was like, ah, stop. Uh, so then in a quick domino effect, Roy fell backwards over the tiger, who then pounced on top of the magician and began biting at his neck. Several trainers and stagehands came to Roy's rescue. All, the audience is there, by the way, this whole time. Terrified. Yeah. One person blasted a fire extinguisher at the tiger to finally retrieve Roy. Roy had been bitten through a major artery as well as several vertebrae in his back. His only words on the way to the hospital, allegedly... Because I'm sure his real words were like, oh, oh, God. But they said that he said, make sure no harm comes to Manticore. <laughs> I, I just can't movie. see that. I'd be yeah. like, fuck it's that fucking tiger. Kill it. Like, that, that's my whole thing. Manticore. No, but I could. Honestly, I believe this more than the, uh, the Lassie quicksand. Because I could see how in the panic of the moment, he, he could be afraid that someone might do something drastic. To the tiger what, in that like, very moment. Kill the tiger know? that just tried to fucking kill you. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, uh, go for yeah, it. Yeah, like if like, I got like if twenty like, more. If the police or something got involved, or you know, like in the that chaos. So yeah. I believe that one. I believe that one a little yeah, more uh, than some of the things that have happened. 
Well, it's like, you know, like, again, when I said that Joe Exotic was more of like a tiger pimp, like, you know why Joe never really got attacked? I mean, minus that scene in Tiger King when it's like pulling at his feet and he blasts a gun and he's yeah. like, get off me. I'll shoot you between your fucking yeah. eyes. But um, like, it's probably because he lined like he's a tiger pimp. He probably lines them all up, says, listen here, you tiger bitches. Like, here's what's going to fucking happen. You're going to do what I say. Get me my motherfucking money and run that shit. Roy was more like. No, everything's fine. Walk around, use the toilet in the house, swim in the pool. Like the tigers <laughs> kind of like walked all over him uh, until this happened. So Roy was severely wounded. He would never make a full recovery, though he did survive the accident. <laughs> I'm calling it an accident instead of an attack. Roy claimed that he had a stroke during the performance and the tiger was trying to protect him. Uh, maybe he was like, oh, if I can only like eat your brain out of your skull, I can stop this stroke. But, um, so that, that was the whole thing. But veteran trainer Chris Lawrence, who was on hand during the incident, claims that Roy made a vital mistake during the sequence of the act. Both Siegfried and Roy dispute that claim. Roy did suffer a stroke, but it's believed that it occurred shortly after the attack due to the lack of oxygen going to his brain because of the severe blood loss that he suffered. Just a whole bunch yeah, of bad was, shit happening on that one. He was permanently, I mean, so very fucked up from this He's incident. Yeah. But... Yeah, they're doing damage control because in part it's almost like they had been doing it so long for so successfully that it was almost like, oh, we don't need to. They do it. There wasn't like these regulations or something because they yeah. had just been doing it for so long. Right. And then it's kind of like, wait, it is actually dangerous. You know, yeah, it's kind exactly. of just like. Oh shit! That oh, thing shit. like oh, I forgot this is a tiger. <laughs> they're they're real. The tigers real. are real. Yeah, dude. What if Roy was like, wait, these are fucking real? Like after all yeah. those years, <laughs> he just didn't know. But this, yeah, but this moment. I mean, this is the dump essentially. This is the dump. Like, th yeah, I didn't. I actually forgot also that it happened in two thousand three. I don't know if that's earlier or later than I thought. I just. I, it I, don't was, know, I, I remember. Tell. I remember. It. I thought it I happened thought it way happened. later. Oh, okay. I thought I thought it happened maybe in the '90s, but no. Also, it is like another what thing. I, 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 I never mentioned. I, I don't know if I have it written down, but um, Siegfried was a, was swiped by a lion in the early '90s. I want to say maybe late '80s, and it like gave him a huge back opening gash uh, during one of their mm. shows. But that's really the only other thing that happened like this. So Siegfried suffered after the incident as well, not physically, but mentally. He even spent time in a monastery trying to recenter himself, so shaken up by the whole event. Roy allowed for his road to recovery to be publicized, doing several interviews where he could be seen still living amongst his beloved animals, but he would never be the same. The Mirage began a PR damage control on a grand scale, and to this day, they have never released the video of the incident. But if you yeah, watch the 2020, there's like, an awesome computer-generated recreation that's, yeah, like, hilarious. It's, like, 90s graphics. But, like Right. But, I mean, that kind of would be, like, a what a coveted pop culture oh. thing, you know, artifact to see the video. Right. Yeah. Oh, Cause you, dude. Because you know, you know some people saw it. Like, a very small number of mirage and siegfried and roy employees got to see it oh i'm sure no but, dude you know the guys in charge but, of the security cameras are like hey you want to see it like you know and it was like a but thing. like it seems even to the point where like even if some people saw it like it hasn't been leaked so it's no, still no. like people could have gotten fired for like showing it to someone you know right. it's like it, that sensitive because it was such a money-making thing and this is really undermining 
the credibility of it. And it's know? also right before the dawn of like, you know, like camera phone, like there were camera phones, but like not like, you know, we'd see even just four years later, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, and also at big Vegas shows, you know, keep your phones turned off, like all, all that stuff. Like, and back then it took a mm-hmm. long fucking time to like turn your fucking phone on and off. You had to like hold a button <laughs> and everything. Uh, yeah. So like just no one, like, it just never came out like that. So one year after the tragic Tiger turn of events, Siegfried and Roy became the basis of the CGI animated series Father of the Pride, a children's show where the two magicians would get into all kinds of hijinks. It only lasted 13 episodes, and that's because there was 13 episodes ordered. People stopped watching it after, like, the fourth episode. No one cared. It just wasn't a thing for kids. I mean, you want to see the show. Who are these guys? Yeah, you want to see the show. You don't want to see a cartoon. Yeah, and they didn't even have one where one of them gets attacked or like where they get into like a lover's quarrel or any any of the good shit about yeah. Siegfried and Roy. Now, you can't keep a good team of flamboyant, tiger-wielding magicians down, though. And in 2009, the duo performed for the final time. It was a star-studded evening, reminiscent of their Monte Carlo debut show. A visibly disabled Roy took the stage along with Siegfried, and there was not a dry eye in the house. The big illusion of the night was a disappearing act. Siegfried entered a cage and was magically replaced with Manticore. So Manticore and Roy are on stage again, like kind of like baller move for Roy who needed to constantly be holding onto a rail to keep himself up. And they had him dressed like scary ass, like druids or something from like fucking Skyrim. Like they're wearing robes and these crazy masks and like, like their, their whole dance. shit is just so over the top and dramatic. Pure moods is blasting, but um, Mant- Manticore uh, had a much better fate than um, Harambe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Manticore <laughs> didn't get blasted. Although no one gives a shit about Manticore, everyone gives a shit about Harambe. Um, interesting. When yeah. I said star-studded evening, uh, Parks Bobby from Sopranos was there. Uh, he he is like on oh, the red right, carpet. Cause- because yeah. he's got a huge Vegas connection, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Danny DeVito was there, and he's literally, like, crying. Like, it shows him in, like, the audience, like, crying with his wife, like, watching this. They raised, like, $14 million that night for a hospital charity. So, you know, as Whoa. the years went on, Siegfried would spend his time caring for his dear, dear friend or wandering around the secret garden, the their little zoo at the Mirage, and he would perform sleight of hand tricks for surprised and enthusiastic visitors. He'd kind of just waltz around like, Damn. this is my place. Watch me make a coin disappear. Mm-hmm. He had special coins made up that had tigers on one side and Siegfried and Roy on the other, and he would give them out to kids and shit. But like, he would be there like all the time just walking around because they weren't performing anymore, and he needed that attention still that the to do you know, something it just wasn't there right because yeah because i mean this i mean this very this whole incident i mean the whole show because of this incident came to like a screeching halt you know it wasn't yeah. like a planned retirement and you know they had they had something really special and now all of a sudden to be siegfried like your partner forever is like very disabled, not not very, but like very unable oh, to yeah. do the he, thing I mean, he's anymore. Not fully independent, and now, you, no. and so now you're still, you're still here, able-bodied, able to do it, but you can't do it. And like, and they would say a lot. It was like they couldn't do. Siegfried wouldn't be Siegfried without Roy, and Roy wouldn't be Roy without Siegfried. Exactly. Like they couldn't. They weren't gonna. They were. They were. It is a very. They were so attached 
and they weren't Siegfried. They weren't going to do their solo show or something. You know, it was the two right. of them. It was it, the it, duo. It never happened. Like from from the start, yeah. it, it it never happened. Like they're very like Siegfried's very first magic show was Roy's very first animal show. Like exactly. So it, it's just how it's always been. But tragedy would once again rear its ugly head and sink its fangs into Siegfried and Roy on April twenty eighth, twenty twenty, when Roy Horn died of complications due to COVID nineteen. Now, Siegfried Fischbacher joined his lifelong partner in fucking Vegas Tiger Heaven on January 11th, 2021, after dying from pancreatic cancer. Manticore died in 2014 of natural causes, <laughs> by the way, Dude. just in case you're wondering what happened to Manticore. So they I mean, they died even less than a year apart. I mean, that's kind of it always happens that way, baby. Soul, soul you know? mates, baby. Soulmates. Dying of a broken heart and a cancer-stricken pancreas. So, there, <laughs> but wait, there is more. Hold on. It wouldn't be a culture dump without a little sexual harassment now, would it? <laughs> so, it, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. In there's a lot of that in these. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah. like we said, it's a, it's, it's a surefire way to end up as a dump. Be famous and do some nasty shit. We'll talk about it. In 2011, Roy's assistant, Oliver Priest, accused Roy of making unwanted sexual advances towards him. When Priest refused the advances, he was fired. And this is when things got messy. It was discovered that Priest had gotten the job under false pretenses, having lied during his interview about his qualifications, which called into credibility, you know, or called into question his credibility. A court ordered Priest to pay Siegfried and Roy $37,000. However, the whole case seemed to disappear after three other men came out of the woodwork and made similar claims. And it seemed that there was some backroom dealings that just made this all go away. Like, And also, it's yeah. like, you know, they're on their downturn, like... You know, I, I, it was just not a good thing. So, yeah, it, no one knows what became of that case. But uh, mm -hmm. three guys, uh, basically him to mm -hmm. Roy. Uh, but on the other hand, it you know, I don't want to just make them sound like super shitty or lame or whatever. I mean, obviously, they're like incredibly successful, legendary. They were also big, big philanthropists. They donated millions upon millions to charitable causes. And I don't want to leave that out just for posterity's sake. So... What does it all mean? I guess it means that legends are legends for a reason. Siegfried and Roy were some of the most unique entertainers the world has ever known. And despite their use of animals, which has always been a point of controversy, they were the best at what they did. They changed the landscape of live entertainment and, were, and are regarded by the world's top magicians as two of the greatest. It is unfortunate how their legacy came to an end, but animals are fucking animals, and you can't rely on a co-star that you cannot properly communicate with. Making a person disappear and reappear is just as impressive as making a tiger disappear. So maybe, from now on, we should just stick to the safe bet. And that's what it means to me. No, I disagree. More tigers. tigers. More tigers. I want more tigers. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I think hey. I because that's how they got. I mean, I love it was very well said, but um, I also <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but <laughs> I guess I mean, that is the controversy. And I mean, also, it should be noted that, you know, throughout the years, they had a lot of controversy from animal rights activists, sure. you know, because that is the thing. And so, yeah, I guess. um. Maybe for the people's sake, I say if you're a person and you want to do something stupid and it doesn't hurt anyone else, then go do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but for the, but yeah, I also agree for the animal's sake. Like maybe it's not like the ideal living situation, whatever. 
But right. Well, living, living in Little Bavaria seemed pretty chill, but living at the Secret Garden did not seem pretty chill. Like, yeah. you know, for them. Because, I mean, if you're a tiger and you have, like, full reign of a house and a pool and, like, fucking, like, two hunks that love you and, like, you know, do tricks for you and give you little pieces of meat, like, fuck it. Sounds pretty good. I would do that. <laughs> I, would, I would be a tiger for Secret I, and Ryan. I was going to – I was trying to move to L.A. to do that soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we got plenty more episodes coming your way, uh, not only on the actual channel, but on our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. We started a new show. Well, I did Ryan's report. It's a weekly uh, glimpse into current events as well as uh, what I think about them. But we also have docudumps where we review our favorite documentaries, which usually we post a link to all of our research materials and videos and funny stuff we find re relating to all the dumps are up on there. We also have squirts, which is our open ended looser show uh, th that we do on there. So check that out follow us on instagram at culture dumps send us emails with suggestions at culture dumps at gmail.com i'm ryan lichten been finally joined back by parks miller keep on dumping